All right, you ready to get in the message today? We're going to start uh, something new, a topic, and I don't think it's going to be uh, a lot of weeks. I'm just going to address it here over the next couple weeks of our, of our uh, ending up the year. And it's this word, resolute, that's been just kind of resounding in my heart, if you will, because we're coming up to the beginning of 2018 and out of 2017, and, and I was thinking about how we a lot of times will make resolutions, and I saw the root word in there, resolute. Resolutions sometimes can turn into hopeful wishes. Don't look at your neighbor. Just look straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. So it's, we can have resolutions that become just empty desires, but I believe God's wanting us to have more than just empty, hopeful wishes, but he's wanting us to be resolute about what God wants to do in our lives, not just in a time of a new year. It's all the time, but at this time of year, we kind of focus on it. So I'm going to give you the definition of the word resolute before we get any further. It says, marked by firm determination, resolved, bold, or steady. So when you talk about being resolute this morning, when you think about what God's speaking to you, I believe God's speaking to you to be bold, to be firm, to be steady about whatever God has put in your heart, there has to be a boldness about it. We can, we can want to do something, but we've got to be resolute about it. And we're going to see what that means. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can get your sermon notes out or you can get on the YouVersion Bible app and get the sermon notes that are available on there as well. Let's open up to the book of Ruth, chapter 1. Yeah. Just happy about the Bible, Ruth, chapter 1. Ruth, 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 Ruth. We're so glad to go to Ruth this morning. Resolute, resolute, marked by firm determination, resolved, bold, steady. I believe those words are describing you this morning. I believe that describes who you are. I believe that's what's on the inside of you. You have a resolve to you. You have a boldness to you. You have a a steadiness to you. And you may say, you don't know me very well. (laughs) I believe it's in there. It's in there. It may need to be unearthed a little bit, but it's in there. We've all got it because there's some areas that we're more resolved or more resolute than others, but we can do it. There's some, you know how there's some areas of your life you just don't budge on it? And there's other areas where you're like all over the board. So we've got the ability to be resolute. We just got to pick when we're going to ab- uh, actually apply it. So let's look what Ruth says. I'm going to read just a portion of this story and uh, we're going to see how we, how we can be resolute like Ruth. Notice the alliteration. Never mind. (laughs) Alliteration is when you have two words together that have the same. Never mind. All right, let's go. Verse (laughs) 1. Now, verse 1 says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. The name of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, or Kilion, however you want to pronounce it. They're Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, not Oprah, but Orpah. Orpah, and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. 
Then both Milan and Kilion also died, so the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Notice the difficulty. Naomi's husband died, then both of her sons also died. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that they might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. I want to highlight something before we go any further in the story. Look in verse 7. It says, Therefore she went out from the place where she was. Went out from the place where she was. As we're going out of 2017 and into 2018, it's always the idea, if I'm going to go into something, that means i got to come out of something else. And this is the concept of what we're seeing and, and what was happening. And we're, we're getting ready to enter into, for us, and maybe you're new to Crossroads, but for us, we always dedicate the first 21 days of the year to a time of prayer and fasting. And it's just our way of consecrating ourselves to God and, and saying, God, we want to set our hearts aside that we want to hear your voice above any other voice. So our time of prayer and fasting that we start on January 1 and goes for the first 21 days is a time where we commit our hearts to say, God, we're gonna, we want to focus and give this first part of the year because we want to grow more in love with you. We want to grow to know you better. So we're just deciding that, God, you come first and everything else comes second. So we're, we're coming out of something and into something else. And this is what's happening here in this situation for, uh, for Naomi and Ruth and Orpah. But there's two questions as we start 2017 Start, the, start 2018, coming out of 2017. There's two questions that I felt like God put on my heart to challenge you with for 2018. Two things that I believe God is asking us to ask him. Are you ready? There's only two questions that I'm going to talk about, but there are things that I felt like God was saying, I want you to challenge the people to ask me these two questions. I mean, the two questions are, are up to you and how they work, but there's something that we have to ask. It's not something that God's going to do for us independent, but we have to ask these two questions. Are you ready for the two questions yet? I'm just building the anticipation in your heart so that you will know what are the two questions. The two questions are very important. Very important. Are you ready for the questions? Here's the first question, God. He spoke it to me, and so I'm passing it on to you. He said, I want you to ask me this question. God, you're talking to God, what do you want me to want? In 2018, God, what do you want me to want? Not what do you want me to do. We do a lot of things. But God's not interested in just our actions. He's interested in the heart. Your Bible says that man sees on the outward, but God sees on the heart. He says, what do you want me? So our question is, God, what do you want me to want? Change me from the inside out. I want to want what you want. See, the Bible says that he will give us the desires of our heart. So we can look at that like God will give me whatever I want. Like God's a genie in a bottle that, that my wish is his command. The real application of the Bible is, is that we begin to 
be attached to his heart so that we begin to want what he wants. And now his commands become my wish. It's not what I want, it's what he does. It's what he, what he wants to do is what I want. So I, I change it around. So he said, I'm like, God, what do you want me to want for this year? What does that look like for me to want what you want? And now sometimes we want to desire something before we do it. But when God says, what do you want me to want? One of the things that he's going to challenge you with is that are you willing to put actions to it before you have desires for it? If we say, God, what do you want me to want? Then we just say, well, I really don't want to do that, so we don't do it. But I believe God's challenge for us is to begin to, because any spiritual discipline or natural discipline starts out as a discipline. You don't necessarily want to do it before the desire comes, but I promise you this, this is why we do our prayer and fasting for 21 days, because studies will tell you that if you will do something straight for 21 days, it can become a habit. So we're doing it for that, and not just that, but also the book of Daniel and a lot of things we could go into, but the point is, is that I believe God wants to change our desires to match his desires. And I'm telling you that even if you don't want to do it right now, if you will delight yourself in him and discipline yourself to do it, you will find that what he wants for you is the best thing you could ever do. What he wants you to want is all good stuff. (laughs) So trust him with that question. God, what do you want me to want? What do you want me to want? The focus is the end result, not the present sacrifice. When you're going through prayer and fasting, fasting is not supposed to be pleasure. I'll try this side of the room. Because when you talk about <laughs> when you talk about fasting, nobody goes, yes! Woo! I get to fast. <laughs> nobody does that. I told Don the other day that I, I was eating and I felt this sorrow come over me. <laughs> I did. I was like, I looked at my food in a different way, and I was like, man, I wanted to enjoy it because I knew that fasting time was coming. <laughs> And again, if if you're new to fasting, we'll talk about that more probably on on New Year's Eve service, but fasting is not something that we do to make God do something. That's not what fasting is about. And fasting is not just about sacrifice, and so everybody sees how spiritual you are. That's not what fasting is about. Fasting is where I say no to something because I'm saying yes to something else. You got to have a yes for every no. If you just have a no, it's called deprivation. But if you have a yes, it's called dedication. That's fresh off the press. You better write that down. I didn't even plan to say that. (laughs) But if we just do without stuff, we're just depriving ourselves. It's called starvation too. But if you commit to something, it's dedication to God. So that's what we're wanting to do with fasting. So God, what do you want me to want? Here's the second question. Once I answer God what do you want me to want? Here's the second follow-up question. It says, what do you, God, want me to leave behind or stop? What do you want me to leave behind? Because once we know what he wants us to want, then we can start determining what we don't need. 
Once we understand what we need in our life, now we can start through process of elimination saying, if I'm going here or if I'm going to do that, then I no longer need this. Sometimes there may be some things that we're doing that's stopping us or preventing us from experiencing what God wants us to experience. There has to be something we say no to to offset something new that we're going into. And this is what God's saying. What do you want me to leave behind? There was a conversation amongst a bunch of CEOs at a, at a meeting. And this one CEO said to all the others that we as CEOs, we understand that the goal is never the problem. Where we're going is never a big issue. Everybody has a goal. The problem is not that we don't have a goal. We as CEOs know the secret to success is not where you're going, but the secret is what are you willing to leave behind to get there? Every single one of us wants something different. Everybody wants something better in their life. I don't know if you would really ask someone sincerely, hey, do you want something better in your life? Nope, I like where I am. I mean, most people want something different or want something better. The difference in success in our lives are the ones who determine what am I willing to leave behind to get there. If I say everything's on the table, Paul said it this way in Philippians. He says, I count all things as loss. Everything is lost that I may gain Christ. He said, everything compared to what I'm going after. So what am I, so God, what are you wanting me to stop or what do you want me to leave behind? Some of us, you may have to leave behind some habits, some things, some relationships, something that's holding you back from achieving what God wants you to achieve. What do you want me to want and what do you want me to leave behind? behind. To go somewhere else, you have to leave where you are. Notice what it says about Naomi. She says, therefore, she went out from the place where she was. To step into your destiny, you may have to step away from your security. Lucas has a blanket. I know. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's the women. They did it. At an early age, a friend of ours, pastor friends of ours, gave him this blanket. And I thought, that's great. You know, you cover them up. That's all the blankets are for. <laughs> so they started at, you know, a nap time. Here's your blanket. He wanted to give it to him to carry around him. I stopped giving him the blanket. Well, sure enough, now he has to have the blankets. It's his security. But as silly as the blanket may be to him, we have our own securities. We have our own things that we can't do without. That at some point, hopefully before he goes to school, <laughs> I said, it's not going to kindergarten. It's not. But here, how many things, how many things are we trying to take into our next season that God's saying leave behind? How many things in your life have you been packing around that God says, when are you going to let it go? You bring that thing to kindergarten, sixth grade, high school. It would be silly 
for Lucas to keep carrying that security into every season of his life. But how many of us are carrying issues into every season of our life that God says, when are you going to let it go? I know it was beneficial to you in that season, but we've got to move forward. Just something to think about. See, the place where God wants you to go requires us to leave where we are. And if you go, you get to find out what's going to happen. That's the good news. The bad news is if you don't ever go, if you don't let go of the securities, if you don't let go of where you are, you'll never find out what could have been. You know, there's a thing, and I've talked about it before in the business world, called opportunity cost. There's a cost to do something, and the opportunity cost is the cost not to do something. Sometimes you won't know what you're missing until you actually step out and do it. You won't know what you missed out on. You don't know what could have been if you'd actually followed through. So let's see what happens. They, they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. The last part of verse 7, they went on the way. They went on the way, the right road, the right course of action, the right course of life. They went the right way. If we're going to go in a right direction, we got to get the right direction. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when they said they're going to go back to the, to the right place, they had to get on the right way. And it's important for us as you're making a resolution or you're making a decision to change some things in 2018, we got to get on the right path. we got to get on the right path. If you would go out of our parking lot and say that I, I desire, because you got make sure and write this down, that direction, not intention, determines your destination. Let me say it one more time for you. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. If you, I want to go to El Dorado, but you come out of our parking lot and you turn left, you can have the intention of going to El Dorado, but you're never going to get there because you're going the wrong, going the wrong way, the wrong direction. So if you're going to go after the things of God, you've got to get on the right way. You got to follow the right path. We got to go in the right place. If you don't change the direction of your life, you'll never change the destination of your life. If you're going to make some changes. You got to follow through them. We'll have to start making different actions. So, so look what happens. So they start on the way, verse 8. And Naomi said to her two daughters in law, Go, return each to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead, you know, talking about her sons and her husband and with me. The Lord grant that you find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. Notice what happens. They get on the way to go in the right direction. Then what happens? All of a sudden, a voice of discouragement starts talking to them. Here's what's going to happen to you and I. You make a resolution to change something in your life. Be ready for a voice that tells you to return. Here's what the word return means. You see it there in your notes, but it means, means to go back, to retreat back to the point of departure. Here's the temptation. When you make a decision, I'm going to change my life, I'm going to go in a different direction, there's going to be a voice either internally or externally that tries to get you to go back to where you were. Some, notice it says they were on the way. It didn't see there, say they were there, they're on the way. Have you ever been late for something? Again, eyes forward. And, and you text or call someone and you say, hey, I'm, I'm on my way. 
I'm letting some thoughts run around the track right now. I'm on my way. I'll be there as soon as I can. I'm, I'm on my way. I'm coming. See, for some people, they're always on the way, but they never get there. It's, one th- it's a difference in starting something and finishing something. One of the biggest challenges for me that I'm focusing on is to start f- finishing what I start. Start finishing a book before I move on to the next one. Start finishing a project. Start that my intention to start something. And so they were on the way. There's one thing to get started, but it takes a resolute heart to finish what we start. So I believe every one of us are going to want something different for 2018. We're going to start out the year. I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to be a better person, better spouse, better child, better whatever it may be. But along the way, there's going to be some voices that will try and get you to retreat and go back to where you were. Don't quit. Keep moving forward. Keep moving. It says they were on on the way. But along the way, sometimes, maybe you've said this. Maybe you say to somebody, hey, I was on my way, but something happened. I was on the way to get there, but a deer ran out in front of me. Sometimes when we're on our way, we can find out that sometimes things get harder than what they thought we thought they were. It's very common, it's very natural for us to be on the way for where God wants us to go, and we run into a couple things. We run into the, the difficulty was more than we thought. Here's something I want to encourage you with. I want to write this down. Your desire for change has to be greater than the difficulty of change. To be resolute means I'm prepared for it being hard. You can't want to do something and hope it's not hard. You can't. you got to be prepared for hard. If you want to make changes to your physical body, spiritual body, whatever it may be, whatever you're wanting to do, you got to be prepared for hard. They tell you, practice harder than the game. Make your practice so hard that the game is easy. But too many times we in our life, we want to we wanna expect or hope for easy so we prepare like what we're hoping for. I sure hope there's no opposition to this change in my life. We need to prepare for opposition so that it's, uh, when it's hard, we're ready. We're like, okay, I knew it was going to be hard. I'm ready for you. I got something for you. Right? So we got to be prepared on the way. Not just direction, but we also got to have determination let's look at verse 10 but not, so um, yeah so she said they lifted up their voices started weeping verse 9 and they said to her surely we will return with you to your people surely we will return with you to your people everybody say we we, we. so now this is orpa and ruth they both said we will return with you we They both said, we're going to go with you. They both made a resolution. They both had a desire. We will. They said, we will go back with you. We will. That's January 1. (laughs) We will get that gym membership. We will Take care of our finances different. We will pray more. We will read our Bible every day. We will be nicer. We will stop fighting with our sisters. I don't know where that came from. It's just when the Lord speaks, you got to let it out. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So the, 
says, we will return with you to your people, but look what happens. Here comes your, here comes your voice again to go and try and talk you out of what you're going to do. This is January 1 in the afternoon. <laughs> right? <laughs> you get out of bed. We will conquer. Afternoon. Ugh. But Naomi said, turn back. Again, retreat. Go back to where you were, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. For if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Here's the voice that's speaking in these verses. Whenever you resolve to change something in your life, do something drastic, the voice of logic and reason will try and talk you out of it. Here's what Naomi said. Hey, girls, you, go back. I can't give you any more children, all right? Even if I had a baby tonight, are you going to wait until they grow up to take them as a son? Logic and reason says you need to quit dreaming. Keep, go back to where you were. This is the voice that's going to try and talk you and me out of what God's put in your heart. Don't let logic or reason stop the dream of God in your heart. Is it going to be hard? Yes. Should it be bigger than you? If it's God, your dream should be bigger than you. It should be impossible. That's what God does. If it's possible, all we need is ourselves. But when it's bigger than you, don't let logic or reason talk you out of it. And you say things like this, well... That's probably not going to happen. There's no way that will ever happen. I'm standing in agreement for my family that this year in 2018 is when my family will start coming to church or my neighbor or whatever it may be. Yeah, but, well, you know, they're not going to. Don't let logic or reason steal the dream of God in your heart. Stay resolute about what God says. So look what happens, verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and they wept again. Wept again. Wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Notice, they both lifted up their voices and they both cried. Same emotions, same situation. Have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed two people can go through the same situation and respond differently? The exact same circumstances. Go through the exact same thing, two people, and respond differently. Both of them, notice, both of them cried. Both of them lifted up their vo voices. There was a pull of emotions. Here's what you got to be ready for when you're going to change anything in your life. Are you ready? This is important. If you're going to change anything in your life, you're going to face this battle. You're going to face this struggle. This is the pull of the emotions between where you are and where God wants you to be. Why were they weeping and crying? Because there was a pull in both directions. Let me prove it to you. If they didn't care about home, they wouldn't be crying about going with Naomi. They'd be like, peace, I'm out. If they didn't care about Naomi, they would have said, hey, thanks, appreciate your sons, but we're going back home, have a good time. Why were they weeping and lifting up their voices because they felt a pull to stay where it was familiar and they felt a pull to go where their hearts were. You're, you and I are going to feel this pull. When you say, I'm going to make a change, be ready for the emotional tug of war. 
I want to change, but it hurts. I want to leave them behind, but I'm comfortable. I want to reach forward, but it's unknown. I don't know what's going to happen over here. I know this one. I don't like a lot of things about this one, but I at least feel comfortable with it. I'm familiar in my mess. But what am I going to do if I step out? There's that pull, and whichever emotion is the strongest is the one you will go with. Here's here's what I'm talking about. Notice what happened. The dominant feelings determine our actions. Look what happened to Orpah. They lift up their voices. They both cried. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and went back home. Ruth kissed her mother-in-law and clung to her. Clung to her. Here's the word clung. It's a Hebrew word that means to cling to something, to stick or to adhere to something. It's the noun form for glue. It means to hold tightly or tenaciously. If we're going to be resolute about what God wants to do in your life in 2018, you've got to have some clinging about you. That means to hold tightly or tenaciously. I've had a few kids. And so I'm going to give you a picture of what the word clung. When Ruth clung to Naomi, have you ever had that kid that you're holding them and you try and put them down and they don't want to go down? They're like holding on to you. Or you try and give them to someone that they don't want to go to. You're like trying to peel them off of you. You try and put them down and they get the gimpy legs and don't want to stand or they wrap around you like a tree and they're like, I'm not letting go. That's clinging. That's holding tightly and tenaciously. You're trying to give them into CBC Kids. (laughs) They're like, no, mommy, no. No, I believe your kids want to go to CBC Kids. I'm just kidding. But no, we've had that situation where you you try to put them down and they cling. Here's the goal. If you're going to do what God wants you to do, you're going to have to cling to him. That every voice, any attack of the devil, anybody that tries to get you to let go, you've got to hold on tightly and tenaciously. It's the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 2 when it says a man will leave his father and his mother and cling to his wife. Cling, hold tightly and tenaciously. This is how we're supposed to be. This is how we're supposed to be in anything that God promises. You've got to have some, you know, you talk about someone, they're a little bit clingy. Ooh, they're a little bit clingy. A little desperate. There's a word that I forgot that the kids used. I'm not going to try and pull it up out of the database, but it's about a person who's too needy. I'll, I'll, they'll tell me after church, but there's a word for it. So we've, we've got to guard ourselves that we don't get too clingy to the wrong things. We cling to the wrong things, our security, our, our familiarity, and God's saying, I want you to let go of that so you can grab hold of this. He's got something good for you, but we got to be able to grab hold of it. Here's another example of what clinging is. In, in 2 Samuel, there's a guy named Eleazar. His dad's name was Dodo, which I think is awesome. But you'll find it in 2 Samuel 23, the son of Dodo. In case you're looking for a boy name, there you go. You're welcome. The, one of the, Lucas or Dodo, it was right down to the wire. We went with Lucas. Says when they, but talking about Eleazar, here it says the Philistines were gathered there for battle and the men of Israel had retreated in verse 9. 
But in verse 10, he arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck or clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. Here's the picture for Eleazar, and here's the picture for you. There's things in your life that God is challenging you that when everyone else is retreating, he's asking you to arise and fight. When everyone else is quitting and giving up, he's saying, will you rise and fight? Will you stand? Are you going to retreat like everyone else? Or will you say, no, I'm going to arise and fight for what God's put in my heart. It's going to be hard, I know it. But it says that he, he got so weary in the battle and he gripped so tight that they, he couldn't even peel the sword out of his hand. It clung to that. You've got to cling to the promise of God. You've got to cling to it so tight that no matter what the devil tries to put in your way, I'm not letting go of what God's told me. I'm not letting go. I'm going to cling to it. That's what Ruth did to Naomi. She clung to her, and God's telling you, if you're going to be resolute in your life, you got to be a clinger. I'm not talking about mash. I'm talking about somebody holding on to the promise of the mash. Some of Google it. Google it. So are you clinging today? Here's a, here's a time, where you, time where you can say, I'm a clingy person, and it's a good thing. You can be like Eleazar, because look what happens. The Lord brought about a great victory, and the people returned after him to plunder. you got to hear this. When you will be resolute and hang on to the promise of God, you don't know how you could be providing a breakthrough so that other people can come after you and benefit from what you held on to. From the battle that you were willing to do, you're willing to go through it, then other people will look at you and go, wow, if they can do it, I can do it. They didn't want to cling. They retreated, but you arose and fought. And guess what? Because you arose and fought and clung to what God said, others came after you and benefited from what you went through. You're like, oh, I went through hell. It was horrible. Yeah, but because you went through, someone else saw the path. You're not the only one going through troubles, but sometimes you got to be a trailblazer through there. you got to cling to the promise of God and say, hey, follow me. I'm going to make a way through this because the Lord is on my side. But you got to be resolute about it if we're going to do it. So let's look at, the, look at the last part. Let's finish this up. She said, so Ruth clings to her and she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister. Naomi's still trying to talk her out. She peeled her off of her. Said, Ruth, get off of me. Look, Orpah went back. Look what she went back to. Went back to her people and to her gods. This is important. Went back to her people and to her gods. I want you to notice three types of discouragement were in the scriptures, in this story. Three types. Notice all three of them. The first one came in verse 9 where she said, go back to your mama and your husband's house. This is the familiarity of the known. When you step out to do something different from God or different for God, be ready because the enemy, thoughts, people are going to try and discourage you through the familiarity of known. This is comfort. This is what's easy. This is the way it's always been. When you try to do something different, this voice is going to scream in your ear, go back to what's familiar. Go back to my familiar friends. Go back to my familiar habits. you got to overcome the familiarity of the known. 
Here was the second discouragement. We found it in verses 11 through 13, where she talked about, I don't have any, any sons for you. There was no promise of the future. So here's the second way he'll try and discourage us, through the fear of the unknown. You try and do something different, okay, I'm gonna start doing this now, then there's gonna be a fear of the unknown, and if the devil can't get you through familiarity, he'll try and get you from the, through the fear of the unknown. Well, I don't know what it's gonna be like, ah, I don't know what's out there, I know what's here, I don't know what's there. He's gonna try and get you with that one, but here was the third one. Told her, her, sister, or her, her uh, sister-in-law went back to her people and to her gods. What's this final one? What's this final discouragement? This has to deal with identity and submission. When you're trying to change, this is the last thing that I believe we have to overcome. You're trying to make a major change in your life. Maybe you're willing to walk away from what's familiar. Maybe you're willing to walk towards what's unknown. But at some point, you have to be willing to change your identity and change who you worship. If I'm going to be resolute about changing something in my life, i got to change who's God. Well, I'm already a Christian. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about who's God in that area. Who's in control? When we talk about submission, I'm going to drop a bomb on you. You ready? We talk, the Bible talks about submitting one to another and submitting to God. You got to hear me. We never really submit until we do something we don't want to do. It's not submission until you go against your will. Go back to her people and to her gods. When we're going to be resolute about a change, at some point we got to say, I'm no longer Lord in this area. Jesus, I'll do whatever you want. I submit to you. I will do what I don't want to do until you change my desire. In MMA, mixed martial arts, some fights they win by submission. It's when you get someone in a hold rear naked choke or arm bar or guillotine choke, whatever it may be. And the, and the purpose is, is that you squeeze that person or hold that person until they, they can't take it anymore and they tap. And that tap means I give up. That's submission, That's a, you get a submission win. That person doesn't wanna tap, but they have to tap. Submission is when God says to you, I want you to stop doing this and you say, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I want you to start doing this. Well, I don't want to do that, but I will. Are you resolute? Are you resolute? Look, look how determined Ruth was. Let me finish this. I'll read this through and we'll quit. Ruth said, verse 16, I want you to hear the determination in her voice, and I want you to say, is this me and what I'm going to say to God for 2018? She says, Entreat me or don't urge me not to leave you or turn back or following from you after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. In that one verse, she answered all three of those things that I'm not going to be tempted to stay with what's familiar. I'm not going to be afraid to go with what's unfamiliar. And I'm willing to change my identity and I'm willing to change who's the Lord of my life. 
Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Here's the closer. Here's where she kicks it in. When she saw Naomi, when she saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. When she saw she was determined, she stopped talking. You want to get some of those voices to stop in your head? Show them you're determined. When the devil sees you're determined, all of a sudden some of those temptations starts to fall away. Read Philippians chapter 1, verse 28 in the Amplified Version. I don't have time to go there. But your constancy and fearlessness will be a neon sign to the devil. Move on because I'm not changing. Move on. I'm not budging. I'm going to make these changes. Come hell or high water, I'm making a change in my life. I am going to be resolute about what God's put in my heart.